Think Radio. This is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today is Halloween, so we want your finances to be more treat than trick. We're taking your personal finance questions this morning, along with any frightening tales about your finances that you're willing to share. After the Halloween candy's passed out, it's time to think about holiday travel deals for upcoming Thanksgiving and Christmas trips. And we'll have some tips to share throughout the hour. Give us a call this morning with your personal finance questions. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lockett-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today is Halloween, so we want your finances to be more trick than treat. We're also taking your personal finance questions this morning, along with any frightening tales of your finances that you're willing to share. And after the Halloween candy is passed out, it's time to search for the best holiday travel deals for upcoming Thanksgiving and Christmas trips. We've got some tips to share throughout the hour as well. So call us this morning with your personal finance questions. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning to you both, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I, I saw a lot of people dressed up. What, what are you yeah. dressed as? I'm dressed up as a public radio announcer. That's oh. uh, I have to go really dig deep into I that. have all my Halloween breed. colors, my orange sweater, <laughs> yes. my black pants. I'm all ready. And so why aren't we playing like Monster Mash? Huh, Java? Yeah. He'll, he'll get it. He'll okay. Get it. We got some okay. He's working through, on it. So. But yeah, I uh, I last we dressed don't get up. any calls. Actually, the last time I dressed up for Halloween, I think it was one of my best uh, outfits. It was the Unabomber. Oh, that's Yikes. not funny. What? That's not funny. Um, my my outfit for for my classes is um, I have this cape, and the cape has all kinds of pictures glued to it of houses. And then I have a little name tag that says Fannie Mae. So I'm a mortgage-backed <laughs> security. Mm. A very financial costume there. That's <laughs> yes. good. And anybody who doesn't get it automatically fails the class. You're right. Actually, the other thing, you know, I it's been several years since I put on a costume, and I actually purchased one one year. They're, they're quite expensive, and then when you get them, they're somewhat cheap. Oh, it's much more fun to make your own. I'm not that creative. I saw your um I saw the picture of your class all dressed up. You had a lot of lot of bulls. A lot yes. of bulls, like one um, or two bears. Yeah. A um, cash cow. I uh, liked the cash cow. The cash cow. cow was the winner. That was very good. Uh, Ro had she really did go and she purchased a cow costume. Of course everybody was like, Well, Chick-fil-A. I'm like, no. <laughs> and then she she uh had me stapling uh, big dollar bills to yep, it. I saw that. And then she had a big necklace that was the a dollar big sign. gold dollar sign necklace, and she even had rings with dollar signs on them. You know, it paid off. She got four points. So, nice. uh, and I, I usually don't get many trick or treaters at my house, so I pretty much 
Do you do you decorate? No. You have to you have to lure them in. Well, Kevin. that's the thing. I don't really want them to come by my house because I don't ever get enough, and then I end up with like nine bags of candy, which well, I end up it, eating myself. And it seems like um, everybody's decorating more this year. Like Halloween is a bigger mm. deal than it used to be. I'm seeing these great. There's one house down from me. They have a uh, a pool in the backyard and a fence around, it. and so there are skeletons climbing over the fence. And there's one skeleton that you can see at the top of the ladder to the pool. Wow. And, you know, they even have a skeleton mm. on the roof. And Well, I read that uh, next to Christmas, this is the, the big big holiday of the year nowadays. Well, so. I mean, that's a good sign for the economy, right? I, I guess. Yeah. If people are, if people are spending enough spending money, money on, on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most productive use of your money, but like, but you hey, know, spending, it's discretionary is, income. spending is spending. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I had an interesting email. You know, sometimes uh, people talk when we talk about credit. Uh, we talk about when you close your account or uh, you close your account when you when account is zeroed out, should you close it or leave it open? Well, I had an account that was at a zero balance, and it must have been for more longer than I remember because I get this email that says your Bank America Visa credit card ending in blah, 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 has been inactive and will be closed on December 20th if you don't make a transaction by Ooh. December 5th. So well, they're just clearing their records yeah. out, you think? Uh, and they're also kind of nudging you to say, hey, yeah. don't forget us. Well, and, that, and that's the thing, even with, you know, even with like a bank account that even if it has money in it, after a while, they, you know, they sh- are supposed to like that, try to contact you, try to reach you. But that's how things end up in the unclaimed properties. And I mean, it can, I don't know what the standard is for things like that. Um, but, you know, with a credit card, it's a little bit more to the discretion. If they're just, you know, they need they need to free up that account number for somebody else. They don't recycle account numbers, do they? <laughs> no, but, probably uh, not. Here's my thought. Make one small purchase on there. Mm-hmm. Pay it off. Because part of the credit formula is available credit, and, a, and an empty credit account really does kind of right. And you. if it's an account that you've had for a, a while too, that can ding you if you close it. Okay, I have one account that I think I pay a dollar a month for like iCloud storage, and I have right. one credit card that I don't use anymore except for that, and it's on auto pay, so I don't have to forget about that about that sending in that dollar every month. But that's you know keeping it active. Yeah, I like. I think I might have mentioned, but last month I did all my bill paying and everything. You know, I have a little spreadsheet that I do to use my uh, finances and just forgot to uh, actually make the payments until halfway through the, the month. And I got this thing that said, hey, we haven't gotten our money yet. <laughs> and I looked at my here. account and I'm like, why do I have so much money? Oh, in my it can bank happen account? so easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I got to do that uh, tonight. Uh, got to have so, a system and stick right. with it. So uh, we have got an email and an early call around the line. So why don't we first welcome Rick from Grand Bay into the program? Good morning, Rick. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, I know you can only give generic answers, but let me give you some specific facts. Maybe you can give a general answer to. I owe a substantial amount of child support. I'm in the process of right now that uh, child support is the agency is willing to close that account if I demonstrate to them that I am disabled and on SSI. After that occurs, can I ask the credit card, credit bureaus to remove that from my credit account? so that maybe it might change my credit. I I kind of doubt that. I mean, just because um, you have some sort of settlement, which is what that would be. Um, well, they, and, well, they said they're closing it out. And mm-hmm. even when they close it out, I'm afraid you still will have it showing up on those reporting agencies. 
uh, what you do need to make sure, um, you know, maybe pull your credit report, pull a copy of your credit report a couple months after after you have some like firm letter from that company saying, you know, this account is settled, clear, whatever, whatever their letter says. Um, check your credit report and make sure it shows up as closed, taken care of, or whatever. We did have a, um, a caller a while back. She had, you know, a loan from years back that um, was still showing as active, and that was why it was still causing a problem. But the but the minute that that closes and is considered taken care of, taken care of, then it will um, your credit will start to rise. And I think it takes about seven years for something like that. I think there might be different lengths of time for different types of things, but I think seven years, uh, you know, it'll be completely off. But you know, obviously, after a year. Or so your credit will be a lot better. Does that make sense? All right, uh, Rick, uh, thanks for your call this morning. Again, uh, anytime we deal with uh, credit reports or credit matters, always a good idea to uh, to follow up and uh, get things in writing, that sort of thing. You want to make sure you have a record of uh, what you've done to, uh, yeah. tr- to try to uh, adjust your situation. Uh, we had an email left over from last week. Uh, it says, I'm 74-year-old, self-employed. Can I open and make, ta- make tax-deductible contributions? And if so, are they reported as a business expense? Well, if this person is self-employed, they could um, open a SEP IRA, a Simplified Employee Pension Plan, um, very appropriate for someone who is just a single-person business. Um, if they have employees, they can do a simple plan. And um, as long as that person has earned income that is a, a positive earnings on that business, then that can be used to contribute or to calculate what kind of contribution you could make to that retirement plan. And whatever contribution you make reduces what you um, then report as far as income and pay federal income tax on. So there's a great tax break for it. Now, if you're 73, it could be that you have other retirement accounts. So you may be in the situation of I'm able to contribute to this um my own company retirement plan at the same time i'm over 70 and a half and so i may have to take distributions from the whole group all right uh we haven't gotten to that but uh, any financial news in the news well we're still looking at um the tax reform bill that they're going to propose we're expecting that to show up tomorrow and uh, so we will hopefully have some kind of details about what is in there. And then, of course, the fight will begin. And we've already seen a big fight over, in particular, um, home mortgages and uh, possible credits there that the um, there's one group, corporate group, has come out against it. So we'll see because it's, it's a tough thing to reform tax policy. Yeah, and there was um, – so – Slightly different for that, but there was some stuff recently about about the the length of time housers are staying on the market is coming down quite a lot. The average length of time a house stays on the market is down to like three weeks. I want to wow. say. Hmm. Um, so if you're trying well, to sell, and remember a- <laughs> that's that's national averages, right, right. and all real estate is local, so that right. depends on your local area. And those a- national averages, obviously, they're heavily weighted by very hot markets in places like San Francisco and New York, where they're not only a, you know. F- Lots of houses being bought and sold, but there there's way more of them, so they count more in that average. But um, 
but overall, I mean, that's still, you know, if that if that does kind of trickle down to other places, then um, that's a that's a great sign for people trying to sell their house. Um, there's a, a really interesting work being done as we look at, a, you know, writers mentions national averages and we talk about national averages. When we talk about unemployment rate and jobs added and median household income and debt and all of these things. And this work is saying, you know, that is misleading because what we're seeing mm-hmm. is um, they looked at the top 40 percent versus the top the bottom 60 percent and there's quite a divergence in Mm. the um economic situations of those two groups and the improvement in the top 40 versus the the bottom 60 not seeing that basically flat wages uh not seeing those improvements and that's why you have people who can look at those national averages and say gee don't we look great and i say no not in my house i'm not experiencing the same thing I did see just anecdotally uh, there was a house in my neighborhood that got flipped, but uh, it just it was not on the market very long. And I saw a, I think one of those sale pending signs. Also, commercially speaking, there was a, a a restaurant that moved off of Lakeland Drive to another location, and I noticed that their building apparently has been sold as well. So I thought that was interesting, and at least gastronomically speaking, will be fun to see what might move in <laughs> well, there. Well, I mean, you always, you know, you will notice a pickup in activity, construction, yeah. new businesses opening. Um, those are positive signs. We saw consumer spending jumped up in September. Uh, that was excellent news. People were all out there buying their Halloween stuff. And um, so that spending then, because about two-thirds of our economy is fueled by what we as consumers spend, then can improve our economy even more. This is Money Talks, and it's time to take our first break this hour. When we get back, we will continue uh, looking for your personal finance questions. You can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We'll be back with more after this. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to this Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. And Ryder Taff is Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've got some open phone lines, and it's an open topic day. We're looking for your personal finance questions. So if you have one uh, and need some assistance, give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. You know, one of the things I think that uh, the internet does quite well are they're always compiling lists of one thing or another. And I found this one I thought was interesting uh, on the internet uh, last week. Uh, Payscale is a, I'm not sure who they are, but they analyzed 32,177 profiles of workers who self reported working less than 10 hours per week. 
says some jobs require certificates, but none degrees. So this was the list of the best what they called side gigs. So these are ranked by median hours, uh, hourly earnings, and the median number of hours worked per week. So uh, do you want to take a guess on what the top paying side gig that you can have is? I have no clue. Disc jockey. Hmm. $65.70 yeah. per hour, typically work five hours a week. So hmm. get uh, the turntables uh, back there in your, in your uh, home doing somewhere. Your, yeah. Doing your uh, Friday nights at the, at the club or your kids', kids parties. I don't know. Number two on the list, musician or singer, $43.40 an hour for four hours yeah. per week. Yeah. But you've, you've got to practice for yeah, that. That's true. You well, know, I mean, those, you those put things. a lot of yeah. unpaid hours into yeah. it. Uh, number three is photographer. Again, that's uh, thirty-six dollars twenty cents an hour. All of these work five seem like they're related to weddings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. However, number four though, makeup. Well, that, that yeah, right yeah. <laughs> makeup artist thirty-four dollars an hour, five hours a week. Number five though, piano teacher, thirty-one dollars twenty cents an hour, five hours a week. You can aggravate little children across the. Or uh, they can aggravate you. <laughs> yeah, because you can only work those like couple hours. When in you between. say, Johnny, you didn't practice this week. Work did in you? between school and school and dinner time, I guess. All right. So, uh, like I said, I just uh, found that interesting. Also, you know, side gigs. That's kind of a, a funky term there for a, a part time job. And speaking of which, if you do have a side gig, that's uh, a self employed business going on. So that's you right. can have All your right. own retirement plan. Very that's good. That's right. Back to the phone lines we go. We're going to speak with uh, Hayden, who's called in from Alabama this morning. Good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, with the new tax uh, proposals being being sent up, isn't there already a limit on what you can put in a 401k? Yes. Yes. But it's much higher than what they are proposing. Um, I think it's 18000 So, So for this year, it's 18000 And this is something – last week I had a whole list of things that we could have gotten to, but we had such great questions we didn't have time to. One of the things is for next year, the 401K, uh, you know, without any other changes, the IRS has raised – the the contribution limit to eighteen thousand five hundred. I think they've also raised the total amount has gone from. It's either it was fifty one or fifty two, and is now I think fifty three thousand. Which means including your employer right. match. That's a total including pl- employer match. Um, but that also means for, like the gentleman who emailed before, the self employed. Uh, because you are both employer and employee, that's just kind of your total, uh, but that's subject to a little more stringent limit on your income level. And if you're over 50, you have a catch-up contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that maybe anybody in here would No, be. <laughs> nobody. Um, 24000 And so this proposal to limit, and the latest I saw was 2400 is sending shockwaves through the financial industry. And um, because there are a lot of people who get it, I mean, they're motivated to put money into their 401ks because it reduces their income. And so reducing this amount for just regular folks would mean um, an increase in taxes you pay. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Hayden, uh, thanks for the call. Good. I, I had wanted to ask about that too because I'd seen that and that certainly has 
as you said, uh, Nancy, caused a little bit of a furor. And I guess that's, as you mentioned, the difficult thing about tax reform is that, you know, I guess in general, a lot of people say, yeah, we need to do that. But if it, when it comes to their Yeah, because, because or, the real tricky thing is, you know, we still have to pay for stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the go- there are things we? that... Yeah, we do. Well, that's crazy. Because there are things that people want. You know, they want to get their Social Security and their Medicare, and they want public schools and good roads and uh, strong military. So those things cost money. And so when you start doing um, changes to tax policy, then it's, um, okay, you know, one side gives and the other side takes away. And so there's always somebody, because we have built into our tax policy some biases. We've built mm-hmm. in a bias towards home ownership because we give a tax break on mortgage deduction, interest deduction on that. And so, um, you know, to to try to back that out, there's always some group who says, no, you know, you're you're uh, goring my ox. Mm -hmm. And and so they're right there at the door trying to make sure it doesn't happen. And um, that also goes to, you know, why there's, you know, if you have rental income or something, you have different forms to report on. And there are, you know, whole industries that are, you know, based around, you know, different different business structures that benefit in different ways from those. So it's, not, you know, on the personal level, we see the biggest is probably the mortgage interest rate deduction. Um, the charitable deductions. Charitable deductions, a couple of other things. Um, but when it comes to corporations, I mean, there there's whole issues around structure and and what do you consider this income as? You know, are you passing this income on through to the owner? Are you? <laughs> I keep hitting the table. My apologies. He's making all kinds. My of apologies noise if you here. have the bass turned up today. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. One thing about the uh, that has been talked about with the reduction in corporate income tax rates, and understand we do have here in the U.S. the highest corporate tax rate at thirty five percent. But, nobody you know, pays that. Nobody pays that. Most of them pay around 22. And a lot of them, if you're able to, you know, do restructuring charges, all kinds of other things, mm-hmm. and you have negative income in a year, you pay none. Um, but one of the things they talked about is getting rid of the interest deduction. And a lot of companies, you know, they issue bonds, they have debt, Mm -hmm. and they do that because there's an advantage uh, in doing that. That money then costs them less when they get that deduction for tax purposes. And so if that goes away, that could really roil the bond market. Yeah. um, One thing about that in particular, though, uh, companies are paying less in interest um, now just because interest rates are so low, even if some of them have, you know, you hear about large still, bond issuances I mean, all the time. Because interest rates are so low, that's been attractive for so right. many of them but that to also, go that route. It also makes it attractive to say we're going to eliminate that tax cut because that – that they they're receiving less benefit from that tax break but right now. But they're using it more. Oh, well, they absolutely are. But um, so the the dollar amount is going to be maybe as much or more. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Open topic day. So looking for your personal finance questions at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got some open lines for your question, and we've got David on the line from Horn Lake. Good morning, David. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Um, my old uh, company I work for is uh, filed for bankruptcy, and they're getting ready to merge again. So they have me a pension buyout because they want to get the pension liability off the books to make the merger look better. Mm-hmm. And uh, my question is: is um, I've talked to a couple of local people, financial advisors. I don't want to mention names or whatnot, mm-hmm. but I am actually bumfuzzled. 
I've got people wanting to sell me an annuity. No, and don't do minute, it. Wait a minute, finish corporate uh, municipal bonds. And no. Bonds. And anyway, <laughs> no. what I want to know is when I when I go talk to these people, how do I make sure that I get a fiduciary standard and uh-huh, a suitability yeah. standard? The first thing you ask them is how are you paid? And if they say they are paid by commission um, and uh, there's a very good chance they are not a fiduciary. If you're paying them strictly on fees, like, you know, we're a registered investment advisor. We are fee only. And so we are, we've always been required to be fiduciaries. Um, you would not take retirement money and put it in an annuity. You already have tax deferral. Why would you pay extra for that and limit your access to your money? You would never take retirement money and buy municipals because it's tax sheltered. That doesn't make sense either. Yeah. Um, and, and that well, that's one thing I was thinking of when you said municipals. Um, make sure it, if if you take the buyout, you know, it's rolled into an IRA. If that's yes. if that's how it's done, and at that point, you know, you could you could invest it in any any sort of you know investment account. You know, some stocks, some bonds. You're going to need all of that. You still have a long life to live, um, and so you're going to need that money to continue to grow and generate income for you. Um, but if 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 it's in an IRA, like Nancy said, it's tax protected. There's no there's you know I'd ask a little more details about why they're wanting in municipal bonds. Um, yeah, that's weird. But the annuity, I understand, because those annu- are high commission products. Annu- annuities uh, every time have a high commission. And I've seen there – was, there was an article in the New York Times about like 30 different ways people try to uh, conceal fees. Um, it can be – you know, oftentimes it's straight up, you know, okay, you sell this annuity, you get a 5% bonus. Um, you know, a hundred thousand dollar annuity, you get five thousand dollars the next day. Uh, sometimes it can be a little more subtle. It can just be you have to meet a certain volume uh, in the year in order to get some. So they can say, "Oh no, I'm not getting a fee off of this." Now, whether well, getting it off of you know maybe down the road, um, I, we had someone walk into our office once who had a large amount that she bought an annuity and. Uh, she said that the uh, the salesperson did not um, didn't take a commission, but she had an all expense tri- trip paid to Disneyland for two weeks. Well, that's right value afterwards, right there. And she never heard of yeah. she never heard from her afterwards. So it's kind of like, all right, well, you, you know, getting paid, it's all you know, something is getting paid there. All right, uh, David, thanks for your call. Let's get another call in before our next break. It's our friend Frank from Jackson. Good morning, Frank. Hello, hello. Hey, happy Halloween, Frank. Yeah. Hey, Frank, you know, we've been deciding you need to come join us one day. No, no, no. That's too much like work. Well, (laughs) we just want to meet you. (laughs) Okay, I'll come to one of the mixers. But I'm going to say one thing and get your response, okay? Okay. Trying to get rid of a timeshare. Oh, no. Okay, now let let me let the other shoe drop. They have changed the law in... Florida, mm-hmm. that allows these timeshare people to have unlimited fees mm-hmm. for maintenance or whatever they want. Right. So there's been a glut of people trying to get out of their timeshares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the people who own the timeshares, I've got Orange Lake, they've set up separate companies to relieve you of your timeshare. Yep. So basically, you sign it back over to them, you get nothing for it. You feel good about it because you don't have to pay 1200 bucks a year for maintenance fees. And what they're doing is they are packaging these 
timeshares into condominiums and selling them to people like in China to take advantage of that law that if you invest hundred or two or three hundred thousand dollars, you get a green five hundred thousand in a, uh, a urban area. Right. So that's what they're doing. No, it's rural. a it's a huge turnover in property in Florida, and the little guy, the American citizen, is really getting the screw. But uh, timeshare, worst thing I ever did. Yeah, I I am with you. We yeah. have encountered people who come through our office with timeshares. Um, there's not a lot you can do. The big problem, as you mentioned, is that once you're in, and a lot of people are um, bailing on them, they are just walking away from them because they had little value. They couldn't sell them. And what happens is the the remaining ones who are left in the group end up having to pick up the tab for the whole maintenance uh, uh, fees that are related to that. So you start to see your fees go higher and higher, and you have to keep paying them, or you then basically you're dinging your credit when you stop. Um, so there's no good way out of a timeshare. Yeah. The thing it. about it is I felt good getting rid of the timeshare. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yes, well, you would. But- at least there's not a the the the, uh, the stone is off from around your yeah, neck. Yeah, and that's I guess. an interesting twist that they're using that uh, for the. I'm trying to remember what is it EB. Oh, the number of the I don't EB one EB visa, um, which allows um, uh, foreigners to then purchase into a business, and depending on whether it's rural or uh, urban, I think rural is five hundred thousand and one million. For uh, an urban area, they have to have so many employees, been in business for so long, then that then immediately gets them green card status. All right, Frank, good to hear from you this morning. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got some open phone lines ready for your personal finance questions. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring You can reach us by calling one 672 7464 or email the show money at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz. 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lockridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've got some open phone lines ready to take your personal finance question this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464. You can always email the show money at mpbonline.org. Uh, we're having a little bit of fun with a list I found online. A pay scale analyzed over 32,000 profiles of workers who self reported working less than 10 hours per week, and they have a list of how you make the most money with your side gig. So we're up to number six. Uh, just a quick recap we thought number one through five had a lot to do with, uh, well, one through four. Uh, with weddings because one was disc jockey, two musician or singer, three photographer, four makeup artist, a five piano teacher. Now six could be wedding, a Pilates instructor, you know, the bride and groom getting in shape before the big day. day, Uh, That's $26.30 an hour, typically five hours per week. 
Um, I would say people of the list- aren't doing enough Pilates. It sounds <laughs> like <laughs> should probably probably Ramp work, it a, up, work huh? a few more hours. Uh, but the thing is, that's uh, that's obviously the most strenuous one on the list. Number seven, interestingly enough, interpreter, twenty five dollars yeah. fifty cents an hour. Again, maybe at a wedding if you know the. No, you, you know, you know. I, I mean, know, you could put any of these jobs I, I, at a some, wedding. There's some of our language professors at MC who who do that as a side gig, you know, because they will then work with someone mm-hmm. who has a document they need yes, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. translated, mm-hmm. or they need help with somebody in person. So, they yeah, do that we work. had uh, a coworker here years ago uh, could speak uh, several other languages, and you're right; she did a lot of work on web pages and that sort of thing. And you know, Kevin, where it also comes in handy is at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I worked at a hospital, and you had people with uh, oh, yeah. English was not their first language, so we mm-hmm. would always have to call an interpreter so they could come and oh, yeah, you know talk about how they you know were ailing or whatever. Yeah, that's, 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 that's super a, that's important. Uh, number eight, personal trainer uh, at uh, twenty three dollars ten cents an hour. How many hours are they working a week? Uh, well, these are all typically working only five hours a week, so these are definitely side gigs. Uh, nine does again qualify for the wedding dance teacher. You know the big yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, that's twenty two dollars an hour. Uh, number ten, handyman. If you know, perhaps the. I'm telling you, that's a big one. Twenty one. And, and here's something else, because we're seeing with an aging population, um, that people are requiring more help, whether it's a handyman or someone just to uh, transport them to doctors' offices mm. or help them with right. grocery shopping, uh, any of those errands. And so that doesn't require a lot of skill. It requires that you, you know, you can be good company because mm-hmm. many of these people mm-hmm. just you know they want somebody they can talk to and you can assist with any of those chores yeah that goes along with um, a lot of people choosing to stay in their homes yes um, and, and it, it's just getting a lot easier nowadays to stay in your home um, than than it used to be and especially with- I hope it is because we're getting old <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, back to interpreter I always thought that uh, a translator uh, which is a I guess a similar sort of thing but to me that would be the most difficult job in the world because Were you you're thinking yeah. like interpretive dance like <laughs> no is it like an interpretive dancer in the hospital like where do you feel your pain but uh, a translator I'm, I'm, I'm like, so sorry a UN translator you're having, we are to, too. <laughs> having to listen in one language and then in your mind yeah and con- especially if it's really mm. important uh talks where you know if you just don't translate it appropriately right you could, or where the, the change of an, what, using uh, one, word, one word instead of another word, you might accidentally get someone killed. Although I do remember once I was interviewing some Russians for a story I did years ago for the radio, and there were some interpreters there, and I asked a question, and she translated it, and then the answer was very lengthy. <laughs> the answer came out as no. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, this is Money Talks. We're looking for your personal finance questions. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So if you have a personal finance-related question, give us a call. We've got some open phone lines. As we mentioned at the top of the show, you know, after Halloween, our thoughts turn to the next big holidays around, a Thanksgiving and Christmas, mm-hmm. a lot of travel going on at those times. Mm-hmm. We've got some travel tips. Um, the first one is to book now or stop complaining. It says the sweet spot for cheap holiday airfare has already passed, but if you book now, at least by the end of October, uh, before the prices really skyrocket, you can uh, you can save some money. According to Kayak, after mid-October, airlines for Thanksgiving increased 
uh, up to a whopping 51% for Christmas and 25% for New Year's Eve. Well, and if Halloween spending is any indication, people are going to go crazy for Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. So they probably already have their plans um, settled and made those bookings. So, yeah, I could see you're you're behind already. Uh, Number two on the list, pick smart travel days. Uh, The best time to fly is when everyone else isn't. So that would mean Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day uh, are mm-hmm. good times to fly. It certainly would, uh, you know, maybe a little more elbow room in the plane. And, um, and with that, you know, uh, a lot of the online tools like um, Kayak or um, pretty much any, I mean, even the airline's website, you, you'll have the calendar view of prices. And I always find that very interesting. You know, there'll always be one or two days a month where the uh, the, the flights are just so much cheaper. And it's just like nobody wants to go anywhere so on there's a Tuesday. View? That they- I didn't know this what do you do um so it's a lot easier at the comparison websites but i have seen it i think on most major website uh, major airline websites uh you have to you know there'll be often a box saying i'm flexible on my days right. sometimes they'll be like you know plus or minus a day yeah or i've plus seen or minus those two. um some of them will be just say flexible on days and sometimes once you search then there'll be kind of another tab where you can just look It'll say, you know, view by month or something like that. Um, oh, I don't know. You just you just have to poke around, but and that'll show you. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes it's only moving just a couple of days. Sometimes, you know, it might be oh well. Instead of leaving on Tuesday for my Thanksgiving holiday, I want to leave like the Friday before. You know, if that's if that's feasible for you, especially if you're visiting relatives who you enjoy staying with. Um, that might make a lot of sense. You know, it's only one more day. Or maybe you could just show up and stay in a hotel until Tuesday. <laughs> just, just pack a tent, you know, in a sleeping bag. And just don't and just tell them, no, don't and then even you have to go them. back to the airport just, on Tuesday oh, to yeah, pick could you, you up. Could you pick me up? <laughs> um, don't stay in the airport. The food is more expensive. I saw, I can't remember which, but one of the uh, budget airlines uh, has actually removed their airline from those uh, aggregate sites, uh, wanting, mm. I guess, to drive traffic uh, to their uh, their own website, which I, yeah. I would that I don't understand that. Um, I guess maybe there are other things that they might try to get people to buy at their on their own website. Well, and probably there's there's some sort of um, revenue sharing. I was going to say there's so probably some fees yeah. that you know the uh, the major airlines can tack on, but also with the um, with I think it was Southwest there was a big deal years ago that they did that and so they had kind of built up that I believe uh all the marketing people are calling it mindshare. They had the brand where everyone knew, oh, Southwest is going to be the cheapest one. So people were comfortable checking that comparison website and checking Southwest website. Um, whereas, you know, if you don't if you don't know what airlines are operating out of your airport, you know, you're not paying attention or you're in a new city, then you're not going to go down the list of you know, okay, I need to check JetBlue, I need to check Spirit, I need to check Southwest. But often for a specific route, people will kind of know. Well, this one's typically the cheapest, and they can go straight to that website. Also, one other thing I've heard that on the, you know, uh, fly where everyone isn't. When you visit Disney World, they often open one of the three parks early. And the tip that I've heard is that you don't go to that park on that day. In other words, if it's early admission to the Magic Kingdom, that's your day to go to Epcot because, of course, everyone else is trying to go to the one where they can get in early. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm out of the see. loop on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank but that was the thing. When I, it was years ago, but there's there's an entire book about, you know, hacks, life hacks and tricks and things for uh, 
for Disney World. It's wow. amazing. It's very amazing, it, including like if you're trying to get to this attraction, there's a shortcut if you go through the you know the the Donald Duck hut it's or like whatever the, it was. The Marauders so. map from Harry Potter. <laughs> we have got another caller. It's uh, Bertrand who's called in from Itabina this morning. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yes. Uh, we always enjoy your Monday Talk program. Uh, it's very interesting. Thank and you. I've got a question. Would you uh, please explain how to file a credit dispute online, or would it be better to file a credit dispute in writing, and what's the pros and cons of both ways? I'll hang up and listen to the answer. Well, I think, first of all, if you do have a credit dispute, first you need to check all of the main reporting agencies. There are three of them. Um, TransUnion, Experian. And everyone's favorite, Equifax. Equifax. (laughs) And um, so if it's with each of them, you're going to have to address each separately. And um, I I have not had experience with doing the online dispute. I do. If you have a dispute, I like having something in writing. um, So one thing about the online disputes, if – it works, especially if you're just if you're comfortable checking your credit report online and not bothering about getting it mailed to you. Then they will have you know somewhere on that page where you're viewing your credit report, they'll have you know dispute this or you know file a dispute. They'll have a link somewhere on there, and um, one thing just to pay attention there is they will have. Uh, confirmation numbers and things like that. And some of those may be emailed to you. Some of those may just kind of pop up on the screen. So just be prepared to make copies of everything that comes up on screen. Um, If it's something that has, you know, particularly like you have a lot of documentation, maybe it was um, something you, you disputed with the card issuer first. Um, that might make a little more sense to file on paper so you can go ahead and get all those documents to them easily. Um, but if it's, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with just starting that dispute online and make sure you save any confirmation numbers. And if you don't hear back from them, maybe they say, okay, you know, you'll hear back in two to three weeks about this. If you don't hear back after three or so weeks, you know, pull out your confirmation numbers and get prepared to sit on the phone with somebody for an hour trying to figure out where that dispute has gone. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we've got another email to get to, and also we've got some open phone lines ready for your personal finance questions. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We'll be back to wrap up Money Talks after this break. When my eyes beheld an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. Oh. From my laboratory in the castle east oh. to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. Oh. The ghouls all came from their humble abode oh. to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. 
Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. It's an open topic day. We're looking for personal finance questions this morning. Still a little bit of time if you call in quickly to get your question answered. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. One other quick anecdote from my trip to uh, Disney World, and again, this was years ago, but they, they let you in, and then there's like a rope that they have, uh, you know, at, at the entrances until the magic time, whatever it is, that the park opens. But so there's people amassed of these, and it was amazing to me as soon as the rope was dropped, man, woman, child, grandma, grandpa, whoever, just made a mad dash because, again, the other thing is if you've got Space Mountain or one of the popular ones, you want to get there early. So to me it was just funny was that, you know, like I said, as soon as that rope dropped, we were all running, and I think that's why you had to cut through the Donald Duck house, you know, on the shortcut or whatever. <laughs> I always remember that. Cut through the Donald Duck house. There's a hot dog stand with a trap door underneath. <laughs> But my sister actually has a timeshare for Disney World, but they she uses it, and she's got some kind of special giant perk thing or whatever. And she said one year, if, if she and her husband don't go, she would be glad to uh, to let me have it. So who knows? There might be a, a fun trip to Disney World in my future. Just watch out. Don't get stuck in that timeshare. Well, um, really? Well, we had our cautionary tale yes. earlier. I, I, it's just uh, my memory of Disney World is getting stuck in It's a Small World, and oh, I God. thought I was going to go crazy. <laughs> I mean, we, we, were, we were there at an odd time, and so there was nobody there, and we went through like on the third time, and, and we got stuck. And I thought, get out of the boat! <laughs> We're walking through the river. Okay. We had an email uh, asking about, uh, we'd mentioned annuities, and I know, Nancy, you you strongly advise against them. Uh, The question was, if you're in one, how and can you get out of it? Well, it depends. So every annuity is a contract. So you're going to have to read your contract, um, and every one will have some stipulations. Often, annuities have surrender periods. Typically, anywhere from six to nine years. So if you try to take your money out before that time period, then you're going to have a surrender penalty. And it can be pretty big. I was going to say, I've seen them up to 12 years. Oh, that's crazy. And often often the way they'll structure – often the way I've seen surrender penalties structured is if it's, say – a five-year surrender period, it'll be 5% penalty on the first year, 4% on the next. You know, if it's a 10%, it'll be 10%, 9%, 8%. So. Yeah. So that, and that's going to be in the contract. It will show the, the surrender schedule in there. And so be aware as you look at what you have, what is it costing you? How is it performing? What would the penalties be if you cash out? Most of the time, if we have somebody show up with an annuity and they would be subject to surrender penalties, we just tell them, just mark your calendar. We'll come back and look Mm -hmm. at it after those penalties have disappeared and make um, a decision at that time. Uh, Occasionally, somebody will look at it and say, look, I'm I'm losing opportunities elsewhere by being stuck here. But you really need to, to crunch the numbers and talk to them on the phone to find out what would be the dollar surrender penalty Mm -hmm. and how long is it going to take for you to make that up? All right. Uh, Let's get one final call in before the end of the hour. It goes to Wayne in Long Beach. Good morning, Wayne. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I uh, was able to buy 10 years 
toward my retirement at one time. This is a good while ago. Mm-hmm. And I had a 403B, and I also had one for my wife, which I could buy 10 years for her. And uh, there was a word, if we used uh, rollover, it was a lot of tax. If we used transfer, there was no tax. Hmm. Have you ever heard of this? I uh, haven't been able to find anybody, but I saw the numbers, and we saved a lot of money. Yeah, so that might just be a little bit of a semantic thing. Oftentimes, with a, so so the the difference here is with a rollover. Technically, what you are doing is you are withdrawing all of it. And then putting it into another one. So you're taking, you're putting your hand in the box, taking it all out, and then putting your hand in the next box. With a transfer, um, you're just dumping one box into the other. You, it never passes through your hand. So they'll often call that a trustee to trustee transfer. Um, It is technically these are the same things, but sometimes on a rollover, because it actually has to leave that account. Um, and when money comes out of a tax-deferred account, you've avoided paying taxes on all these em- years. A qualified employee retirement right, account. Right, right. Then they will say um, – they will have a uh, – they, they will say, oh, well, we have to do mandatory mandatory withholding, which is which is kind of ridiculous on a rollover because, you know, say – again, you say you have $100,000 and they say, oh, we have a mandatory 20% withholding. But if you roll it over, you don't actually owe any taxes, but they take that $100,000 out – they pay twenty thousand dollars of it in taxes, and they put that eighty thousand dollars in that next account. You're actually getting you're getting a lot less than you really should have because you wouldn't owe any taxes on that. You would actually owe taxes on the money that you took out to pay taxes. Um, we but, we didn't pay any taxes on any of right. Yeah, but and what and another thing I'm thinking of what it might be if it was structured as an annuity. Um, you said it was a. Four hundred three B. Four hundred three B. Sometimes those are structured as annuities, and that might not have been a qualified annuity, and that might have been a, a ten thirty five exchange or something. Um, they might have called uh, that a transfer. Four hundred three B. Yeah, and, I, uh, I it think wasn't it wasn't an annuity. I think, that, okay. I think it is what Ryder was talking about because we'll see this, and these are employer retirement plans, and a four hundred three B is, and you can mark that of oh, send me all of that money. And mm-hmm. if they do, as he said, they are required by law to take out 20% and send it to the IRS yeah. off the top. So if your intention is to keep it in a retirement plan, you need to mark the box that says, oh, don't send it to me. Send it to my right. new IRA account that I have at Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Vanguard. And okay. um, This was in a, uh, in a state retirement. It could be the same thing. Mm. It could yeah. be the same yeah. thing. And the problem... Right, well, I, I really appreciate y'all, uh, y'all's program. Okay, sure thank thing. you. Thanks for calling right. in, Wayne. Thank you. Thanks Bye-bye. for the call, Wayne. <clears throat> this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We've got about 30 seconds left. Just thought to, to wrap up our conversation on the on the, the uh, side gigs. Uh, we made it through number 10. Just run quickly through the list. So if you're thinking about some side opportunities, tutor at number 11, postal service mail carrier number 12, school bus driver number 13, Property manager number fourteen. I don't think a mail carrier is a side gig. I well, I think they also. do have some like Saturday like rule, because yeah. they do Saturday deliveries now. Phlebotomist uh. number fifteen, delivery driver number sixteen, dog walker number seventeen, data entry clerk number eighteen, security officer nineteen, line cook. Yes. Speaking of dog walker, uh, there was somebody in my neighborhood looking for a dog walker. So if you uh, 
if you uh, if if you have a dog that needs walked or you are looking to walk some dogs in exchange for American currency, there's somebody out there in Jackson looking yeah, for you. Yeah, that's becoming popular, too. Yeah. $12.80 uh, on the average per hour. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash talks. And don't forget about the MPB Public Radio app. You can download that and listen to MPB Think Radio on your schedule on your iPhone or Android phone. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener is Liz Gill. So for Nancy Lodridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio.